This is Run Hunter, brought to you by Raider Media. Coming up on the show, we hear from Olympic golden boy Wade Finnickak. Discover the Epic Roads Marathon while looking ahead to the MediHelp Sunrise Monster. Find out more about the great work that Chalk is doing. Steve Hill uncovers another new goodie while Darren Brahm updates us with his comrade's progress. And we hear from Alpha Centurion Running Club. Welcome to episode 5 of Run Hunter. Hope you had a great week of running. Another super 7 days awaits. It's episode 5 and it's great to be back. As always, drop us a line on Twitter. It's at DerekAlberts1 or email info at Raider.media. First, let's kick off the show with a great giveaway from last week. Gonna hit the ground running. So in last week's episode, our friends from Puma very kindly gave us a pair of shoes to give away. They launched the hybrid NX and NXTZ designed for the everyday runner. That says to own the streets, one has to hustle for it. Thankfully, hustling is what Puma does best. The newest performance shoe, hybrid NX men's and hybrid NXTZ women's, is built for people who never compromise. No matter how they choose to run, the shoe has it all for the everyday runner. And it retails for 1600 and 99 rand and we went onto social media when we launched it and we wanted to know from listeners when does it hit the stores now on the line we've got Mapamulo Zekode and uh, yeah he responded almost immediately Mapamule, good uh, morning tell us when does uh, when do the shoes hit the stores oh so thank you very much for this opportunity uh, the Puma hybrid NX is rocking on the 1st of March 2019, which is today. <laughs> 100% correct. Congratulations. The shoes are yours. We'll be sending to them to you ASAP. You happy? Wow. Yeah, thank you very much, sir. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Mapamula, are, wow. you, are you a big runner? Yes, I like to run a lot. Lovely. So these will fit you perfectly. Once you get them, be sure to put them on social media and uh, tag us along for the ride. And uh, let's see how they fit. No problem, sir. Excellent stuff. We'll be getting to you to them ASAP, all courtesy of Puma. That is the Hybrid NX and NXTZ launching on the 1st of March. You can get them at your retailers. Thanks so much. Uh, enjoy it, Mapamule. Thank you very much, sir. Gonna hit the ground running. 
Congrats, Mapamule. Enjoy the shoes. Mine actually just arrived today. I can't wait to try them out on the road. Now, staying with the road, last weekend we featured the Deloitte Pretoria Marathon Challenge. Well done to the winners. Indikele Mahweti and Afet Van Sale this weekend sees the monster take to the streets. Gonna hit the ground running. Right, as always, we look ahead to the weekend's races. Plenty coming up in Harting, and there's a big one on Sunday. Well, Saturday, rather. It's the MediHelp Sunrise Monster Mini and Baby Monster, and it's organized by Harlequin Harriers. On the line, uh, we've got uh, one of the race organizers, Jeff Hess. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Excited for the weekend. Yes, absolutely, Derek. Uh, We're looking forward to it. Obviously, it's a long-established race. It's our 42nd year of running it. I think we know more or less how to arrange it at this stage. And uh, yes, we're looking for about 8,000 participants on the day. 42nd year of organized. That's an incredible milestone. So congratulations on the longevity of the race. Tell us a bit more about it. It's uh, it's not a marathon, but it's got a nice big distance in a 32. So for someone like me, where a marathon's just a little too big a stretch, a 32 is perfect. Although... I'll still struggle. <laughs> yes, well, actually, you're quite right. Uh, many of the participants do actually suggest that the 32-year is equivalent to many other of the 42 marathons around. And, of course, the name speaks for itself, Sunrise Monster. It starts precisely at sunrise in the morning, which is 0603. And then the monster, that was uh, that tab was given by an uh, announcer called Dave Jack many years ago when he ran it and he decided that this is a real toughie and it's the ultimate Conrad's conditioner. 0603, I love the synergy. I think it's a, it's a great uh, uh, idea. And I, I take it that's been the standard uh, throughout the history of the race? It has been every year since we've run it, since 1978. Talk us through the route of the 32K. And as always, you don't need to go through every single kilometer, but a general idea of what athletes can expect. First of all, the general idea is up, up, and up. <laughs> but uh, tongue-in-cheek there. But essentially, we start from the Groenkloof Club here in, in Pretoria, and we move around towards the Lucas Runt Makonet suburb, where you would go past the so-called Telcom Tower. You'll get an excellent view of the city of Pretoria. Then you traverse across towards the suburb of Groenkloof, where after you go down to the Fountain Circle. I think many people do know the Fountain Circle. From there, we go up the road on the airport freeway and we enter the Klappercorp Nature Reserve. So we traverse there amongst all the Wildebeers, Red Hartebeers, and the Zebra, who are keen onlookers on the morning. And when we get to the top of Klappercorp, the 32 guys go down and go right through Monument Park before actually coming back into the established waterproof suburb. And then we come back towards the Klappencrunter. I love the fact that you speak about it's up, up, and up because that really is the case. And if you look at the website on Runner's Guide, I mean, just a brief synopsis of it. Uh, this is a demanding route. Make no bones about it. The monster is scenic race that takes in many of the green suburbs of Pretoria. And the 32K event incorporates a challenging tar road hill section, uh, as you mentioned, across the Kroonkloof terrain. Now, just having a look at the profile, I mean, you're only going to look at your first down, really, at around the seven-kilometer mark, and that's only for about two Ks. And then you've got a real stretch uh, from 10 to about 12, 13 Ks upwards, uh, well, actually straight up to 15. So that next five is extremely tough. I mean, if anything, or if ever a, a name 
qualifies for an event, the monster certainly does. Yes, certainly. You know, there are not that many long hills in road running in South Africa. Obviously, you think of comrades and all that, but um, the longest hill that I've run really has been Okapsavach on the two oceans in Cape Town, and that's about seven kilometers. So our one year is very similar to that. You start at Fountain Circle, right up to the top uh, in Sterevach is the suburb, and I think that's why they call it Sterevach, because it's pretty high up. Last couple of weeks, we've chatted to race organisers and they've spoken about the terrible economic times. And as a result, a lot of them have lost their naming sponsors. Good to see that you've got MediHelp front and centre for you guys. Absolutely. We were very privileged to have MediHelp on board. This is now our 12th consecutive year with them. We believe we've got a symbiotic type synonymous relationship between our running club and also the health consciousness of the medial, uh, medical scheme. So we work together very well as a sponsoring party and uh, race organizers. And we look forward for many years in the future as well. And as I spoke about earlier, Harlequin Harriers organizing the race. That's right, yes. Um, also one of the aged private or open clubs in Pretoria. Clearly, as you would know, that many of the academia and the services clubs did have uh, athletic organizations for a long time but in terms of running clubs in the city the the first open running club that really started was by George Clarson the late George Clarson uh, the Springbok captain Raynon Clarson's father he started the Victoria Marathon Club he's also a previous comrades winner so he started that way that club and then soon thereafter Harlequins was formed in 1977. Wow, Vernon Klaassen. Now, I've got a, a lovely story about him. When we were in the Supersport studios, uh, I was uh, manning the desk with him as my guest. Uh, the very first time he was actually ever in studio. But uh, it's a very funny story, but I'll save it for another day. If you ever do catch up with Vernon, you must ask him about it, Jeff. Uh, I think it's, it's best uh, that we keep things like that a little quiet. But uh, uh, finally, Jeff, uh, entries, you said around 8,000 runners, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, 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 Is it full up or, or can people still enter? No, people can still enter, Derek. Uh, we, we are encouraging people to either enter online, as all events do, and those that don't still have an option of entering at sports running stores in Pretoria and Johannesburg. And then also tomorrow, yeah, at the venue, that means Friday, between 11 a.m. and 6 p.m., anyone is welcome to come and enter for any of the distances. And then likewise, the same again on Saturday morning prior to the start. And uh, that website to enter? Um, At the moment, uh, well, the website uh, is closed, so I think you you can't do it through the website anymore, but otherwise you can look up through... uh, race results website and you can get all the details on the flyer there as well fantastic jeff have a great event i'm sure it will go off swimmingly and yeah we'll see you at the starting line when that gun goes off at 0603 a.m thank you very much thanks for the wishes there and anyone still wishing to come and enter the race come along and conquer the monster this year love it cheers jeff thank you Derek. So an exciting race awaits. Now let's move over to the track for this week's big interview. Gonna hit the ground running. Now the world is waiting to see when 400-meter world record holder Wade Van Nekak will return to the track. The 26-year-old's been on a slow road back to recovery since suffering a serious knee injury in a charity touch rugby game back in 2007. I sat down with the media this past week. 
I'll fill in the questions that were posed to him. Firstly, how's he feeling at the moment? Well, not, not totally 100% yet. Uh, still got quite a bit of, of work to do. Um, so I'm, I'm not really too focused on when I'm going to run right now. I still know that I have to invest quite a bit in training. So that's where my heart lays right now. Was the breaker a blessing in disguise? It was amazing. Uh, I had a bit of time to be very lazy. But uh, as, as training started kicking in full steam, uh, I got back to that hard work and, and, and what I love doing. So it was a nice refresh, a reset. But uh, I'm very amped and excited to start, or not even start. I've been working for, for quite a while now. And just to come out there and, and, and compete again would be very lovely. He recently returned to the track for the first time since claiming the Provincial Free State Championship title. He finished 4.25 seconds slower than his best ever 400-meter mark. How did it go? It, it helped me identify quite a lot of areas that I need to work on. Uh, it, it, it showed me a lot of places that I've been, I've been uh, missing out for a long time now, so... Um, I'm trying to impl- apply it again in training and trying to uh, challenge myself in training again because I think you always try and seek that comfort spot so that you uh, avoid the pains and the, the aches. But now I know I need to dig in a bit deeper now to, to, to confront those pains and aches to be able to uh, compete the 400 the way I, I prefer and I like. Yeah, felt quite good. Uh, body was a bit sore after that. But that's normal. Uh, but uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm quite satisfied with how I felt and, and even what I did that day. Uh, it made me feel in control of, of how I'm run again. His thoughts on the ongoing Caster Semenya trial? Yeah, like I mentioned, uh, I really believe that Caster is a very, very strong character. And uh, for me as a friend, I believe that my best way now to support her is to support her from the side and allow her to fight her battles and and to be able to uh, stand firm in what she believes. Uh, I really admire for 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 standing for women and for for trying to uh, fight for women equality, and it's something that that's 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 inspiring for myself and, and I really respect her for, for what she's doing and I really believe she'll come back stronger. She's, she's shown it before and she'll show us again. What did he make of the SA athletes at the Commonwealth Games and SA 200 meter record holder Clarence Munyai who broke Wade's previous record last year? Well, uh, first of all, I think um, watching the guys at the Commonwealth was, was massive. Uh, seeing how great they've been doing and and, and all this, like I said, all the silverware that they brought home was, was very exciting for the country and for athletics in a whole. And I think uh, it's something that motivates me and makes me want to be part of that mix again and, 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 and bring silverware uh, from my side as well. So to me, it was more a motivation than anything other. Uh, with Clarence, I really think that he's got a lot of potential. He's got a lot of uh, strength and, and, and opportunities for him, especially with... with the, the current uh, image of South African athletics, he's got a great advantage now to use that as his as advantage and as, as momentum to use this great uh, force of, of South African athletics to push himself to, to his best uh, abilities and capabilities. Um, I really think he just needs to find some consistency and, 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 and try and uh, repeat that again. And, and I mean, there's no harm in someone doing great in life. So... 
I do my thing and he does his. What scares Wade? Well, um, life scares everyone in general. I mean, I, I, I went out there to set massive goals for myself from this return for me personally. And I think uh, that alone is scary, but it doesn't, it shouldn't dictate the steps that I'm going to take to, to, to uh, conquer it or to uh, achieve it. So uh, I'm sure each and every one of you will wake up with somewhat of a fear, but I've got a lot of faith and uh, I've been working a massive journey with the Lord and I really think that there's, there's, there's great things awaiting me. Does he feel the weight of expectation now that he's returning following what he's achieved in the past? Um, yeah, I've done it before. So why not do it again? Uh, I don't see myself as that world or Olympic champion anymore. Uh, that's really the past to me. Uh, I think even the day after I, I got those medals, I was on to the next one already. And uh, that's where my heart is at and where my mind is at. I've got so much that I want to achieve, that I believe I can achieve. And I really don't want to, although it was all goods and positives and greats that, and milestones that I ticked off in my life, but to be honest with you, I really think that there's so much greater for me. And if I'm going to be dwelling on that greats that I've achieved this far, I might not reach the potentials that I want to. So my mind is on where I can go and where I want to be, more than where I was and what I have achieved. No, it's, it's no secret. I'm going for that 42. It's, it's no, no beating around the bush or trying to... That's where, that's where my heart is, that's where my mind is, and that's where I'm going to go. What does he make of the new talent coming through in athletics in South Africa? It's a bit unfair because I still thought I was part of the new era, and then I got to world champs, and so I was the oldest in the final. <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's crazy how quick it goes. So that's why I really can't take uh, this... this process of getting back again for granted because it's moving quick and I need to get myself back in the mix as soon as possible. Is he confident that the best is yet to come from him? Yeah, I mean, if I look at the history of athletics, uh, majority of athletes' peak periods is from where I am right now to just just above 30. So I believe I still have quite a bit of, of, of mileage to do and quite a bit of hard work to do for me to be able to reach the, the, the ultimate potential that, 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 I, that I think I, I have. And uh, I, I think I still have a lot of work to do. And uh, it's a massive honor for me to hear things like this from greats like Usain Bolt and, and so much other great athletes. I mean, it hit me by surprise seeing all the respect that I have in, in, in track and field and something that me as a person uses as motivation and as a confidence booster to know that uh, I am admired from so many other athletes out there and respected by so many other athletes out there and it, it makes me not want to take this uh, process lightly. I want to make sure that I, I execute it as best as possible. And finally, will he ever play touch rugby again? No, I mean, I've learned my lesson. Uh, I've, 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 I've seen that touch rugby doesn't work for me. So I'll, I'll go back to being an athlete maybe one day with my kids or with, for, for fun. But right now I'm, I'm purely just focused on, on track. Yeah, I'll make that the headlines. Wade has retired from touch rugby. <laughs> Gonna hit the ground running. Lovely to hear from Wade and great to hear that he's on track to return to the track. Now, you'll hear from Darren kubel Brom a little later. That's regarding his comrades' training. But he's had a very interesting week. Firstly, 
He's a finalist to be an actual character in a video game coming up called Boot Fighter. It really is a thing. Then he got a call saying he had cracked the nod for a famous or infamous race down in the Eastern Cape. Gonna hit the ground running. Now, it wasn't too long ago, about two days ago, in fact, I got a very excited call from him telling me that he's just been accepted as a wildcard entry into the 31st Road Run, which is taking place on the 29th of June, 2019. And I've heard legendary tales about this run. I'm originally from the Eastern Cape, so I know the area fairly well. And just going, the opening tagline on the website, South Africa's iconic, breathtaking trail run is staged in the tranquil beauty of the southern Drakensberg Mountains, surrounding the Victorian-era village of Rhodes. Now, with me on the line, all the way from Port Elizabeth, we've got the race director, route director, one of the founding members, so to speak. It's been running for 31 years, or going to be. He's been involved for 30 of them. Daryl Robenheimer, thanks so much for joining us. Tell us more about this legendary run, because I've heard tales uh, few and far between. I'm not too sure what I can believe anymore, but uh, man, I want to get involved. Hi, Derek. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Um, the, uh, <laughs> I guess as with um, most fishermen, roads being a very good uh, fly fishing area, uh, runners tend to exaggerate. So whatever you've heard, you can probably bet your bottom dollar it's exaggerated. Um, the run started 31 years ago. Um, with the idea to put or to keep roads um, alive, the village alive. It was a very small village. Uh, it was dying as most of Tutland villages were and are um, going back 30 odd years. And um, the concept was to, unheard of in those days, a trail run, throwing guys up a mountain and bringing them down safely in the middle of winter. Yeah, just looking at the pictures, I mean, it looks unbelievable for, for for competitors to take on this challenge. Now, when I first heard about it, it would be about three or four years ago, uh, properly, when I first got into running. I mean, I'd heard whispers when I was still based in the Eastern Cape. But uh, yeah, four years ago, I heard a bit about it. I said, oh, great, I want to enter. But it wasn't as simple as that. Uh, I managed to find a website, got hold of Esty, uh, who's uh, your wife, if I'm not mistaken, got hold of her, and then suddenly I was on this very, very, very long waiting list, uh, which I'm still waiting. Uh, I was very chuffed for Darren to get uh, his wildcard entry. But yeah, it's not a simple process and it just goes to show how sought after an entry is for for this iconic race. Well, yeah, very much so. I mean, the the waiting list um, is about five years and you're on the waiting list. Uh, The substitution facility works remarkably well. Um, So after you've been on the waiting list for a year, you can substitute and and run with someone else's invitation. It's an invitation-only event, effectively. And the I guess the challenge is is there's a whole host of different things with it. The the one is that it's it's a fairly remote part of the country, and for most South Africans, it's a part of the world that they don't get to visit unless there's something to draw them there. And the run certainly does that. Having it in the middle of winter, um, there's also the possibility of, of snow, uh, certainly cold. Uh, we've had the race start in minus 15, minus 16, which, which is a, a tad bracing. Um, when they reach the, the part of the route takes them all the way up um, to touch the Lesotho border, uh, what they call the Lesotho border road, which is actually the, the highest um, contour path that a vehicle can travel in in South Africa. And um, they they would usually be running into into a headwind. So any headwind coming off uh, the snowfield at uh, Ben McDewey 
would certainly drop the temperature even more. And then we, we run them across uh, another section where there are no trails, no tracks. Um, it's, it's just flagged, and uh, as I always tell the guys, it, it really depends on my mood as to how we flag it. And uh, our oldest son, Andrew, who's taken over a lot of the flagging duties from me in the last couple of years, uh, he's got the same sensibility and, and tends to um, sort of route a testing track. And, and that little section along Hochenoch Ridge is called the, has been named the Tufts of Terror. Um, so there's usually a fair amount of Navy language coming, coming from that. So there's a, there's a lot in the route that makes it, um, of appeal to, to runners. And then we have quite a few traditions that you've probably read about as well on the, on the website, which also make it, uh, give it a certain uniqueness and, and different flavor. Yeah, tell us a bit more about those traditions. I have had a look, but uh, for those that aren't uh, too afraid with uh, exactly what it entails? Well, some of them, uh, one of the ones that the most uh, the runners will be aware of is, uh, is our polar bear club. And um, is, uh, the, 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 <laughs> the origins of the polar bear club are that the, the chaps would go for a, a swim in the, in the Bell River on the Saturday evening. And uh, there's a certificate which they can purchase. So the funds go towards the Rhodes Vulture restaurant. And the certificate certifies that they've um, had a swim, having cracked the ice at the edge of the river, and all they were wearing is a silly grin. So they, they then qualify as a polar bear, and their T-shirt funding for that goes towards the, the Vulture restaurant as well. Um, one of the other... Uh, Traditions is that the village is woken up an hour before race start with the church bell, which Evie, as, as race director, traditionally rings. And, and this year is her 23rd year as, as race director, so she's been pulling that gong for quite a while out there to wake the, wake the village. And then um, at registration, everyone receives some old brown to keep them warm while they're waiting the registration queue. And at the finish, everyone receives a bottle of old brown. So uh, a couple of uh, fairly healthy uh, traditions that we, we keep going over the years. Another one more recent, I think it's only been going for about 10 years, we have a, a cut-off blanket. Um, there's a, we have a cut-off at the top of Mavis Bank, which is about 21 kilometers, and it's uh, uh, into the run. The run itself is 52 kilometers give or take, depending on the mood of the, the guys marking the route. And um, at, the, at 21 kilometers, the top of Mavis, is, uh, the cutoff is four and a half hours. Uh, anyone who doesn't reach that 21 kilometers by four and a half hours, which seems really lenient, but um, isn't when you get out there, uh, then they are forced to retire and we will take, you know, give them a lift back to the village. Um, the first person to miss the cutoff receives a unique embroidered blanket with the year uh, that they, they didn't, uh, didn't make the cut. Um, and in fact, we have one person who has received that blanket twice. It's, it's a pretty challenging feat to achieve to receive that blanket twice. But anyway, yeah. Uh, I know that Darren uh, is going to be hell-bent on not receiving that blanket and were you to get it, uh, yeah, you'll never hear the end of it. Uh, I love the polar bear club, so it's not that clothing is optional, it's strictly forbidden. And this is the one instance where you can really truthfully use the line, it's that small because it's cold. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And it's also the other, the other line we use with that, it's uh, roads is the only place on the planet where polar bears support vultures. 
<laughs> Absolutely love it. Now, of course, given the fact that there is a waiting list, I'm sure that entries are, are, are limited um, in terms of competitors that, that take on the route. How many uh, do you have uh, on a yearly basis on average, or, or do you stick to an exact number? Uh, we, we, we kept the entries at, uh, at about 300. Um, there are a couple of reasons for that. The one is um, part of our ethos is, is to... Uh, not have a, a whole bunch of guys out on the trail. If people are running trail, we want them to experience the, the, the natural wilderness and of, of the of the southern Drakensberg. Um, with a bit of luck, they might see Lamachias and certainly um, mountain rebuck and, and greywing. Um, and if they slow past the rivers, they might even see some rainbow trout. And um, so it's it's limited uh, to. You know, have the chaps enjoy the run. The other reason is that there are certain sections um, where it is um, off trail and in the mountain, and that's a, there's a safety issue there as well. So, we, if weather does come in, as has happened in the past, uh, we we kind of don't have too many people running into Lesotho without passports. And another issue is that the village itself is really small, and uh, accommodation is limited. If the folk will stay in the village and farms around the area and embark the east. There are a couple of reasons why we limited to 300. Yeah, I was going to ask about accommodation because I see that Darren's biggest hassle now, apart from training for conditions which he's never experienced before, especially out in Iran, is the accommodation side. And when I mentioned to you earlier off air that I had this friend competing, he had this wry giggle saying, uh, I wish him the best of luck because he's certainly going to need it. And also in terms of finding accommodation, because as you mentioned, it is tiny. And, and would camping be a viable option given the temperatures? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, if, if the guy's got the right kit, uh, the camp, there's a very, there's a very good campsite. Um, and, uh, a, a, quite a few guys do camp. There's, there's hot water, showers, and, uh, certainly in the old days, uh, camping was, was, it was warm. It was warmer camping than it was in some of the houses because, uh, some of the houses back in the day, 20 odd years ago, were, were a little bit, uh, threadbare around the, the walls and windows. And um, camping was warmer. But certainly if you've got the right kit, camping is definitely an option. And uh, as I say, a number of guys do camp. You've been involved since almost the very beginning, as mentioned. Now, there must be some things that you've seen over the time that stick to your memory and think, hell, what have I just witnessed? Um, what, what's been the best performance that you've seen and, and other moments which you, you can recount back and say, wow, that, that I was part of history? Oh, that's a that's a tough one. Over thirty years, there's there's a, there's a lot that's happened, and, and we've seen um, uh, all sorts of runners. I mean, you know, in all in all sorts of conditions. I think one of the um, one of the well, two events stand out. Uh, the one um, a number of years ago where um, the the we started, and there was a cloud coming in from the west, and the the front runners got across Hochenoch Ridge, which is at about thirty kilometres, and started going down the, the drop back into the valley and into roads, which is the Kolal Hook uh, section, and um, the, the the clouds came through, and as the chaps were coming to the top of Mavis Bank, which is where I usually um, wait for them, um, it started snowing. And uh, we had some of these wonderful photographs where the early runners are running across Hochenoch Ridge and taking photographs with their, their mobile phones. And it's, it's brown as, you know, normal felt in midwinter. And an hour later, they're running in calf-deep snow. Well, the other runners are running in calf-deep snow. <laughs> and there's another one where uh, a, a heavy snow came in on the Friday night and um, we were 
really concerned as to as to you know, the routes that would follow. But on from the Wednesday, we'd seen the weather forecast coming through, um, and Evie and I had planned five different route options. So on the Saturday morning, we just made a call as to as to one route. I won't give you the the whole detail as to what happened on the uh, two o'clock on the Saturday morning when we were checking some other routes, and uh, we we ended up. Um, sending them out on sort of an F shape. Uh, it was a shortened route. And uh, at the at the one checkpoint, which as they go into a valley, we were turning them. And only, I think, the first three or four runners made the checkpoint. Um, when I got to the checkpoint, I saw there was like a blizzard coming towards us. And we then created what was what termed a mobile checkpoint. And we drove towards the runners. And as we met them, uh, we turned them. And uh, so that the effectively the you know the front guys ran the, that that day's full distance, which wasn't the full distance of the route, and um, uh, the slower slower runners ran a shorter race. But everyone, you know, everyone had a whale of a time because they were running in snow the whole time. It was falling snow, so it was what they come for. Um, uh, another year, we we you know uh, couldn't get the guys into the cliff, and we only managed to get the flags out um, in October. Uh, the snow was that deep, and uh, in fact, we lost most of the flags that year. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, we've had uh, we've had some interesting years. We've also had years when there's been no snow, and and you know we've started off in a plus two, plus three. So uh, as with any any event, uh, you, you sort of governed by climate at times. Uh, it's hard to predict uh, so far away. It's 121 days before the race takes off. Um, any ideas as to weather conditions so far in advance? Yes. Tell us. <laughs> there will be. <laughs> there will be weather. <laughs> oh, uh, there we go. Yeah, we, we get that from almost from August, September, the previous year. You know, people sort of contacting us and asking what, what's uh, what's the weather going to be, <laughs> and um, you know you you could have three different weather conditions, four different weather conditions on on race day, and we've certainly had that. So uh, we always tell the guys when you start, don't uh, don't discard your kit. I remember. Oh, quite a few years ago now, a, a very well-known Johannesburg comrades gold medalist uh, started off with uh, a cold weather gear, and he got to the first checkpoint. We always tell the guys, don't you know, keep your cold weather gear because you don't know what it's going to be like at the top. And when I say at the top, the the Rhodes Village is is at um, about 1,800 meters, which is the same same as Johannesburg at that, um, and we take the guys up to about two seven. So there's, there's a fair amount of altitude change, and at the on the border road, the seat of border is 2,700 meters. Um, it can get uh, quite chilly and the climate will be different. Anyway, he got to the first checkpoint and he was feeling a bit warm, so took off his cold weather gear and um, handed it in instead of keeping it. Got to the top and was met by an absolute freezing wind and a bit of snow and sort of completed the, the rest of the race in, uh, in just sort of normal running kit. And on the Friday night, he'd been looking forward to running three, three times to get his snowflake permanent number. And when he finished on the Saturday, there was no way he was ever coming back to roads. He had a miserable <laughs> day out there. <laughs> so yeah, some, sometimes it, 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 uh, it, it pays to listen to uh, some of the advice that's thrown out at uh, pre-race briefings. I'll make sure to rub it in next time I see Bruce Fordyce. It sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's one comrade Joel Vettis who hasn't been to, uh, visited us. So. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Okay, I'll make sure that he does come. We actually had him on the show yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Although, uh, although, although he's, uh, he's, he's a good friend and uh, 
and and uh, competitor back in the day. Um, Alan has had a couple of runs with us, and he certainly thoroughly enjoyed them, and he he, he kept his cold weather gear. Oh man! <laughs> and, and just on with regards to the cold weather gear, so you said it helps to heed the advice of the experts and the locals and the race directors. So I've got my friend Darren, who's getting ready for for this epic event, and we his nickname is Cuball, and it's not because he he has a full head of hair. Would you advise someone like him to to definitely wear a beanie and 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 what? other tips can you give to newbies? Um, the, the, yeah, certainly. Well, it, it just layer. I mean, it's, you know, what most of the um, uh, publications and uh, sort of training tips are, are given is just, you know, have layers of, of, of kit on you. I don't have anything too heavy. Have something that's certainly going to be uh, water splash proof with you. Uh, gloves are are really important. Uh, certainly something on the top of you, even if you have got a full head of hair, um, a, a beanie or, or something on top to keep uh, the heat in. And the other thing that um, more and more runners are starting to use in South Africa, and, and we've certainly encouraged it for many years, even before it was common in South Africa, and that is the use of, of hiking poles. Um, they, they, they would certainly assist not only um, on the uh, um, on, on the uh, on the hills to sort of pull you through and, and and sort of help you up the hill, but also when you when you start getting tired, if you if you practice running with them, and you can use them almost like a, a catamaran hull, and you can they just keep your balance if you just keep clicking them on the side. So you know as you get a bit weary, as some folk want to do after forty odd k's on on trail, um, they do help you keep balance and help you keep upright. So hiking poles, especially those nice little collapsible ones, are. I certainly recommend it. And the other, the other thing we always recommend um, anyone take with them is a camera or their cell phone, so they can you know, take photographs, memories. Oh man, he's going to have such an amazing time. He can't stop talking about it since uh, he got the nod to to take part. And, and finally, logistics, Daryl. Uh, for those not in the area, what's the easiest way to get uh, through to roads? And also for people hearing this for the first time, now they want to take part. As mentioned, it's it's going to take a while to, before they get accepted. I'm on year number four, so I'm hoping next year is the year. Um, what do they do costs wise? Uh, yeah, if if they want to be in there in a couple of years' time, how do they go about it? Um, the, the, well, the first the first step would be to register on the waiting list as you did, Derek, and that's um, at our website, roadsrunza.net. Um, then the, the the travel route through, there, there's no flight into roads, uh, so everyone would, would drive through. And certainly coming from the Gauteng area, it's down through Bloemfontein, Alawal North, um, throw a left at Alawal, uh, go past Lady Grey, into Barker East, and uh, that's all tar road. And then from Barclay East, you've got 60 kilometers of, uh, of good um, district road, good quality district road through to through the village of Rhodes. Um, and be coming from the, the coast, Natal, um, the guys would come up through um, through through past from Tartu or Matakiel, uh, Port Elizabeth. We go up through Craddock and Alawal um, North as well and follow the same route. I mean, we've spoken about uh, the legendary tales that we've heard about. Uh, I've also heard special things regarding the feed stations. Uh, Derek, yes, there, there are a couple of uh, specialities at our feed stations. And uh, the one feed station, which is uh, um, is crewed by the, the, the staff from Tiffendale Ski Resort, they usually had some sort of fiery fluids there, uh, Jägermeister and the like, um, some old brown to keep the guys going over those tufts of terror. 
Um, and then there's another uh, feed station, uh, which is hosted by Dave Walker of, of Walkabout's establishment in, in Rhodes Village. And he has um, uh, protein supplements. You know, running at altitude, guys uh, deplete their protein significantly. And we encourage the guys to take some of the protein supplements from, uh, from Walkabout's, uh, which are the um, traditional Eastern Cape uh, prairie oysters. Um, another... Another um, uh, another significant difference that we have at or a point that we have at our feed stations is that uh, going back more than 10, 11 years, uh, another event that Evie and I created, which is the Pavillon's Cliff Trail Run, uh, was the first event um, on the planet that uh, did not have any cups at its feed station. So we have a, a no cup, no run rule. Uh, at Bobby Arms Cliff, uh, which we've emulated at the roads run. So um, everyone at the, at checkpoints would be checked if they had certain safety equipment and that they have a, a cup that they can drink with because there are no cups at the feed station. Uh, and that's to stop wind blowing um, into, you know, blowing cups into the felt. Uh, and it also obviously in places such as roads um, reduces landfill. Magnificent, brother! I, th- I think that's an incredible initiative, and uh, yeah, what an incredible event! And it just keeps on going from strength to strength. Have a great one. Thanks, Derek. Thank you. From good old EC to Clarence, time to find out more about the wonderful world of Chuck. Gonna hit the ground running. Now, last week I chatted to Cindy Louise White, and she was a mother living for adventure, living for fitness, living for being active, but all. Uh, for the name of a good cause. On the line now, I've got a man who's been doing something. He he only got into running about three or four years ago, and since then, he's been out and out doing it, firstly for fun, but now it's completely changed tact with regards to his motivation. Libby Opperman on the line from Clarence because he's doing a nice race out there tomorrow. But uh, Libby, tell us a bit more about your overall goal when it comes to running or, or your overall motivation and how it's changed over the last couple of months. Hey, Derek, are, are you well? Very well, thank you. How are you? Good, good, good. <laughs> I'm, I'm perfect. No, so look, um, um, two, well, last year, the year before that, uh, when I did my third comrade, I, I decided, you know, I'm running anyway, so I just might as well run for, for a good course. And then I, I, I ran for Chocks, with Choc, which is the, the cow. Yes. Um, and then I, I ran for them uh, last year. And last November, I lost my youngest brother on, on, because of cancer. And I just obviously sort of now to, now I'm going to run for it even more. And this year, I run for Chuck again, and next person is the course. And if you look at all the kids and everybody out there that suffer of this terrible disease, um, ugh, you know, it's like I said, I'm, I'm running anyway, so I just might as well run for a good course. Oh, man, I'm really, really sorry to you. Obviously, I know you're on a personal level, so I do know what uh, took place with your brothers. So, yeah, my heartfelt condolences. And, and it's amazing the good things that Chuck have been doing. And it's impossible to miss them out on the road. And they're also involved in the cycling world as well. You see them out on their bikes. And, and it's an amazing initiative, uh, how, how they go about things. Yeah, sure. You know, it's, it's fun on the road. Sorry, I'll be it's like a little cow joke when you're running and you run past people and you get your cow suit on and people will go, move it. And uh, um, you just get lots of support because obviously with, this, with the kids we're running, um, you can spot the cow from uh, from some distance away. And people, you know, they they will 
say like, go Libby, go Cal. So it's good to keep the board on, on, on the road. Uh, Libby, how do people go about donating to the cause uh, with regards to what Chuck stands for? So, so obviously there's a bit of a carrot if you run for Chuck for, for Comrades as well. So obviously if you do raise the minimum amount of the thousand rand, a lot, you get to jump your seeding. So I mean, you can start in uh, seeding C, that's C, which for the people that's run there before, I mean, instead of taking 10 minutes to get over the start, you're right there in front. Um, so running for a charity for Comrades specific, I mean, it's a lot of, it's it, it, it actually quite a big advantage um, to run for them because you are moving forward so much in the queue. Um, so, yeah. Brilliant. And uh, if people want to donate to your cause, uh, how do they go about doing it? Um, so, um, that's what I'm going to start us uh, again. Um, so, so, if people want to donate to my cause, I, my aim this year is to reach uh, 30,000 rand. I think at the moment I'm already on 11. Um, I've got a link on Facebook. And you just click on it. They made it so easy. Click on it. You click donate. Put in your uh, credit card details. Um, and then it goes through. It's easy as that. Libby Opperman is his name. If you need to search for him on Facebook, Libby, uh, yeah, full disclosure, I've known you for a long time. And uh, yeah, as part of our friendship, also as part of the, the wonderful thing that you have been doing and with regards to what Chuck is doing, uh, Run Hunter will donate a thousand rand to the cause. Ah, oh, Derek, it's awesome. Thank you very much. I will write your name on my shoes on Comrade's Day. Oh, I love it. Listen, uh, Libby, finally, you've got a big race tomorrow. Tell us about what's happening in Clarence. So I'm doing the, I'm doing the Serenity Yule tomorrow morning. Uh, it's first time. It's uh, in Clarence. I've never done it before. Apparently, it's hectic. I end the day in Serenity Yule. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. It's just a training run. I've qualified already. Um, so it's just basically to get some time on the legs. This year, obviously, with Comrade, it will be up run. So your training is very important. Uh, running yules, and that's pretty much what I'm doing in the marathon. I think it's nice to hang out with Clarence, and after the race, have a couple of cold ones. Lovely, Libya. Unfortunately, the line's not great, uh, given that you are in Clarence, but uh, best of luck for the race, best of luck for Comrades, and best of luck for your initiative. Derek, thank you very much, and thank you for the support, and uh, I'll see you next year on the road with me. Lovely stuff. Gonna hit the ground running. Seeing as we've spoken about him so much, let's catch up with Q-Ball and see how his comrades' prep and now Rhodes' prep is going. Q-Ball's Comrades' Corner. How's it, Derek? Yes, this week uh, is a big week for me, but going back to the weekend, um, I did a 20K with Tech Steve. Steve did a, a 25. It felt a little bit more energetic. And, uh, uh, yeah, I felt really good on the run. You know, just going, just in the beginning parts of the run, I, I feel that my RTB injury plays up a little bit, and I've got sort of a tight glute, glute which affects the, the hip. And so in the beginning, it, it's really difficult for me to get going and, until it's warmed up. Um, and it's not a bad thing if, if I'm looking for positives because I, I do tend to always go out too fast and then burn out. And this is sort of holding me back until it's warmed up. So that is the positive side of having this sort of little injury that I've got. But it, it's just frustrating because it's, it comes and goes all the time. Uh, but yeah, I'm working on, on strengthening the glutes and hopefully that will work in the future. But again, yeah, the, 20, the 20K was really great. Um, 
what impressed me most about this 20K is the fact that I was able to run all the hills. And Steve even commented on how, just how well and how strong I'm running up these hills, which has always been a problem for me in the past. Um, hills were, I, I could never run a hill. Um, so I'm really glad, glad as to how I'm getting up these hills. And it's also just being more positive when I get to the hill and knowing that I can do it. Whereas before I would get to a hill and mentally I'd already told myself that I'm going to have to walk somewhere through this hill. Um, and it's just this positive attitude that I've got going into the hill that, that gets me going up the hill at just, a, at just a gentle, steady pace. And I find it's working. I've done a lot of research on how to run hills uh, more effectively and efficiently. Um, and, and then also just listen to advice from fellow runners on the road. And, and just putting all these little pieces together um, seems to have, have, have worked for me. So I'm really, really impressed with the way I'm running hills. And I'm obviously, Comrade's hills are a lot steeper, but I've got a couple of months to get there. So by the time I get there, hopefully I'll be able to do exactly the same thing. Then, yes, this week is, is, gonna, is pretty much a, a rest week for me. Um, I've got the big one coming up on Sunday, the Vol Marathon, my Comrade's qualifier. So a good friend of mine that's been sort of giving me advice and coaching me told me this week rest and then maybe just do two uh, what he calls fast, fast runs of about three kilometers, a kilometer out, a kilometer back and a little warm up and cool down and, and just what he calls activating your muscles. So you do them quick and apparently it, it just lets your muscles know that you're still a runner. It, it is pretty difficult not to go out running because you feel like you're losing fitness. But um, yeah, I'm just disciplining myself not to do that and I'm going to go and do these short three kilometer two th short three kilometers and see how that goes and then yes it's Vol on Sunday uh, I'm excited but I'm also nervous it's a flat course so we're going to constantly work there's, there's really no uphills or downhills to speak of so you're constantly working um, but yes I'm, I'm I think I can do pretty well in it just given my times throughout the year um, and if I'm sensible at the start and don't go out like a like a lunatic, I, I really think I've got a good chance of, of having a good run. Um, predictions, I've predicted pretty much close to all my other races this year. Uh, so the prediction for this race is going to be a 4 hours 40. If I can run a 4 hours 40, I'll be extremely happy. Um, the cut, cutoff for comrades qualifying is 4 hours 50. Uh, comrades Association changed it this year to 4.50 from 5 hours last year. So if I can do a 440, it gives me a nice 10 minutes breather and it's not, I'm not running under pressure. But look, if I qualify in 4 hours, 59 minutes and 59 seconds, I'll, I'll take that as well. I'll be just as happy. Uh, last year, I didn't manage to do a, a sub 450. So this year, if I do sub 450, it's going to be, going to be okay. Um, but like I say, I'm looking forward to it and I, and I think I can do well. I'm, I'm positive that uh, I can get a good qualifying time. So let's hope that next week when I give my report back, you'll have one times cue ball, victorious and happy, reporting that he's uh, officially going to be lining up at the Comrades 2019 start line. Thanks, Derek. Gonna hit the ground running. From a possible video game character, and seriously, it is a thing. Boot Fighter, check it out on Facebook. Darren's through to the, the semifinals or something. All you need to do is go log on to the Boot Fighter page, click and vote for him, and then eventually, hopefully, he'll get into the game. Uh, now moving on to a guy who actually plays video games and any other gadget under the sun, Stephen Hill. The Tech Session with Steve Hill. 
It's as if on cue they heard us talking about the Apple Watch last week and Samsung has finally announced a real challenger on paper, the Galaxy Watch Active. Well, to be honest, it was actually to align with the launch of their new phone leading into this week's Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, but we'll claim it here at Runhunter for now. It's the newest smartwatch in Samsung's line of wearable tech, but it will only be available from the 8th of March 2019. That's next week. We'll have a quick discussion about what the exciting features are reported to be, but there's obviously not any real use case feedback because it's still in the future. The Galaxy Watch Active comes in a single size with a 40mm total diameter display. It weighs 25 grams and has two buttons on the right side of its face. It's going to have four colors, midnight black, blue, silver and rose gold. And like other smartwatches, the bands can be swapped and customized to your preference. The new watch can monitor the wearer's heart rate and track a variety of exercises, integrating with Samsung's Galaxy wearable app for advanced tracking. The smartwatch comes with standard 3G, LTE and Bluetooth support and can charge wirelessly using Samsung's proprietary charger. I also saw an interesting article about the new Samsung phone that mentions the wearables can now also charge directly from the back of the phone wirelessly. That's a first and it's really cool. Another new feature is the reported blood pressure monitoring, which some suggested would put it ahead of its key rivals. This will come later in March through a research app developed in partnership with UC San Francisco called MyBP Lab. From mid-March, users can download the MyBP Lab app via the Google Play Store, which now integrates directly to the Galaxy Watch Active and the Galaxy line of smartphones. Samsung stated that this would allow people to monitor blood pressure and keep better track of their physical health every day. Innovative? You bet. Unfortunately, as is the case with these manufacturer-specific devices, the Galaxy Watch Active will lose access to some features when paired to an iPhone. But it can be paired and it will work. Apple's iOS operating system will prevent users from being able to answer iMessages on the watch. That's a feature that we discussed last week, but the Samsung Watch app will still help to manage the fitness features on the watch. The hardware is not as premium as the Apple Watch, but it's still in direct competition to the Watch OS wearable and will be immediately attractive to Android users who want a smartwatch that works with their Android phone. Fitness and running wise, which is where we're interested, it covers more than 39 activities and has been certified to around 50 meters waterproof. Something that I mentioned last week as a miss on the Apple Watch, the new Galaxy Watch Active also supports sleep tracking out of the box. By giving you more insight into your sleeping patterns, rather than just monitoring your sleep cycle and displaying your sleep cycle results the following morning, the Galaxy Watch Active could be a really great tool for tracking sleep. And I'll quickly add here that during this week, the rumors have started to indicate that this feature will now be included on the Apple Watch come September. Again, a coincidence? I think we'll claim it. In terms of battery capacity, the Galaxy Watch Active has a small 230 mAh battery. How that performs and how Samsung have made changes to better optimize this remain to be seen. It has the standard built-in GPS to track activities, but obviously there are no stats on battery cycle and performance just yet. It lets you install third-party apps such as Strava to track activities, and you can also download Spotify and other music apps to add tunes to your sweat sessions, so fully customizable. I'll revert back to everybody on the Samsung Galaxy Watch Active once we've got our hands on one and have been able to really test it. Keep an eye out, especially all you Android fans. This one sounds like it's going to be really interesting. 
please mail us at runhuntertech at icloud.com if you want us to review anything. I'm also on Instagram at Stephen P. Hill. Bye. Gonna hit the ground running. Last but definitely not least, let's head to Centurion for the final stretch for our Club of the Week. Club Commitments. This week's Club of the Week, Alpha Centurion Runners Walkers. On the line, I've got the chairman, Dwight Mulligan. Dwight, uh, good morning. Thanks for chatting to us. Tell us a bit more about your club. Hello. Uh, well, basically, we are situated in uh, Club View in Centurion, and uh, uh, we're basically about uh, between 200 and 300 members. Uh, the club has been here for ages, probably from the 80s. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'm the chairman basically for this year. Uh, well, I've taken over from Yori Ordon. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. Established 1975, you guys certainly have been going uh, for a very long time, and and you certainly are established. I mean that sums it up perfectly. And you are also the home of the My Way Wally Hayward Marathon, one of the most epic races in karting. Yes, that's correct. Uh, the race takes place basically on uh, the first of May every year, and uh, it's a very big event that is. Sponsored through My Way uh, Insurance, basically. And uh, we've got everything from uh, 1K for the children, playground, we've got a 5K, 10K, 21K, and a 42K for the more serious runners. Brilliant. So you say that's the 1st of May, so you've got exactly two months uh, to prepare. Of course, your preparations have probably been going since... Uh, the end of uh, last year's race, uh, so I'm sure you've got that all wrapped up. Uh, tell us about your, your weekly time trials, uh, morning sessions, etc. I mean, it's not just about the Wally Hayward or other races, it's, it's also about getting the club runners involved on a weekly basis. Yes, no, definitely. Um, we uh, basically have a very good uh, training schedule that we've had for quite a while now. It's a big mix-up between Skills, uh, work, and then obviously on longer, slower distances. Uh, Monday mornings, we've got a hippo route. That's a 10-kilometer route. Uh, we try and stay within an hour. It might be a bit shorter now and then. Uh, Monday, oh, that's actually Monday evening, sorry. Monday mornings, we've got uh, a training session from 5 to 6. Tuesdays, we've got a training session from 5 to 6. Wednesdays and Thursdays as well from 5 to 6. Uh, Wednesday evening, we've got a time trial. It usually happens around between 6 and 6.30, depending on the season. And that carries on until about 7 or 8. And then afterwards, uh, everyone sits around and has a beer or chats a bit. And then, uh, yeah, and then weekends, we've got sailors basically so if there's two races on we usually split the two sailors up and we've got to be both at both races or everybody goes to one race very awesome lovely yeah. and, and where are you guys based uh, we are based in club view in centurion 
And membership-wise, uh, how many at the moment? And uh, I take it you're still taking an entrance. I mean, if people want to come and join, uh, what can they do to, to get involved? Yes, definitely. Um, we are basically just about 200 uh, members already this year, uh, and we're still growing strong. Um, any day on, uh, basically, you can either give anyone a call that there's a contact list on the website, or you can uh, or you can uh, come on Wednesday to the time trial, and then you can enter on the day there. We can you with the race kit, clothes, anything. Lovely. And just going over that website, it is acrw.coza. Dwight, thanks so much. Uh, best of luck for the next coming months because, of course, you've got the big one okay. on the 1st of May. Awesome. Yes, we do, definitely. And uh, the numbers are growing tremendously. Uh, it's really going to be a very big and very awesome day. We've got a lot of... Uh, very well-known runners that are going to run there and Gardner's really going to be very awesome. Lovely stuff. Dwight, thanks so much. Have a great one and we'll see you out on the road. Okay, thanks a lot, Eric. Thanks very much, Dwight, and thank you all for listening as always. Remember, info at radar.media or at Derek Alberts 1. Give us a ring and we'll see you out on the road. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Run Hunter. Brought to you by Radar Media.